everyone welcome back to the business growth advantage man today i'm going to be talking with my buddy sean q about let's just be real like probably the sexiest thing that everybody wants to talk about right now which is how you as a business owner can really build a sales machine that will give you those dream clients sean what's like your like two to three minute or minute two to three sentence spiel about like why this is your jam. And I know that you're such a good business owner. You could probably build a business around so many different types of offers and help people in so many ways. Why helping people with sales? Yeah. So I grew up in the most impoverished city in California, and it was just recently rated the number one most dangerous city in the U.S. in Southern California. And growing up, I was more accustomed to seeing store closing than grand opening. I celebrated with my mom when we got 10 cent, when she got 10 cent raises as a hotel clerk. We did not grow up with a lot of lavishness. And there was a moment where I went to a cousin's friend's birthday party. So super separated for me, but their house was as big as Walmart. And I'm like a seven-year-old looking at this house thinking how, I didn't even know houses could be this big. And so looking at the house, I made a decision coming back to my city how come, and I was really asking, I was wondering, how come the people I see working so hard over time, hours upon hours, spending so much time at work, and yet they can barely afford to live in a place that's not as dangerous or to be able to live in a place that they feel fulfilled and happy? And how come they have such limitations to the life they can live? And it was then that I made a decision. I'm going to figure out how to do this. I'm going to figure out how to eradicate poverty, maximize abundance, and change the world. And what I discovered was the number one root cause, number one root cause to mental health challenges, to physical abuse in the home, to unwanted teen pregnancies, to abusive levels of alcohol usage, drug abuse, divorce rates, all of these social challenges, the number one root cause was poverty. That if you solve the poverty issue, you solve almost every single other issue because then people have an abundance of options. They have an abundance of resource. They have an abundance of fulfillment and meaning in their life. And so that became our mission to eradicate poverty and maximize abundance. So when we do that, we change the world. And I discovered the number one way to do that in a developed country is by starting a business. The number one wealth generator is entrepreneurship, is business. And so we made a decision to start business and show people how to succeed as a business. And what I discovered is there's a lot of mindset challenges. There's a ton... Listen, there are so many silent assumptions and beliefs and subconscious challenges and obstacles that stop people from just talking about money. I can't tell you how many times I'm talking to someone who's trying to sell something and I say, okay, how much does it cost? And they stammer for five minutes before they even say a number. And so I made a decision. If I can solve that issue, then everything else becomes easy. So what we do is we now solve the hard part of business and make that easy, which is sales and generating revenue and making sure your business is profitable and scalable. So that everything, you can actually do what you want to do, which is we work with our coaches and which is coach people, which be in powerful conversations, which is open up possibilities. So that's so good. And Sean, I don't want to put words into your mouth. First of all, thank you. That was like one of the most inspiring intros to this episode before. Tell me more about how you help people build these sales machines, because not to knock any type of sales strategy, but there are a lot of people out there who are helping people with very tiny offers or memberships or subscriptions that are more accessible, especially if you're going after a newer business owner or someone that has a tighter budget. It's my understanding that you really help people become more confident and clear on their higher ticket offers. Is that correct? Yeah. So we have a 
methodology called the power of one. And when we're working with our clients, we have them choose one social platform. We have them make one offer and we have them have one entry point. In other words, there's one place they're showing up hard, like very heavily. There's one offer that they're making over and over and over and they're improving it and making it better and mastering that one offer or that one service. And then there's one entry point. There's one way for people to say, yes, I want to work with you. And typically that's through a launch method that we teach. And so one launch method, one offer, one platform. There are literally billions of people on these platforms. You don't have to be everywhere. If you go to my Instagram, it's pretty raggedy. <laughs> if you go to my LinkedIn, I haven't posted since I probably had a job 10 years ago. <laughs> if you go to my Twitter, there's nothing there. You go to my Facebook though, that's my one platform. We get hundreds of people every week saying, I want more. I need more. How do I work with you? Or how do I get resources or training from you? So if you just choose one platform, spend time on that platform, leverage every feature on that platform, and then feel confident making offers. It's one of the major things we help people do is like, how do you actually ask, make the ask and say, hey, I want to work with you. I think we're a really good fit. Are you ready to say yes? If you have that one offer, that one kind of playground, if you will, that social platform yeah. and that one entry point, it just becomes so much easier and you don't have to, you're not as distracted from everything and it becomes a lot more scalable. Mm. And I know that we've got this live stream happening on Facebook and on LinkedIn, but most of the people who are tuning in, I believe are from Facebook. So let us know if you're watching this live or the replay, if you're Facebook or LinkedIn, both for you personally and for the people who go through your program, when you help them pick the social channel to the extent that it is Facebook. There are those different neighborhoods of where you can be getting loud, right? There's your personal profile. There's the business profile. There are Facebook groups. When you help people get loud on Facebook, are they getting loud across the board or do you tend to prefer one of those specific little neighborhoods within Facebook? Yeah, great question. So we have a process that we teach our clients and I don't know how tactical you want to get. I'm so open to sharing all of it. Um, but we have a, a tactical process called the 1051 process that helps people bridge their time on social. I don't know about you. I have been on, okay, when I first downloaded TikTok, for example, I was on TikTok for three hours once and I was like, how is it 6 p.m. already? What happened? I was like stuck in the vortex of TikTok and I, it like took my wife saying, hey, you okay over there? <laughs> You're laughing a lot. Of the, and what I don't want our clients to do and what a lot of challenge, a lot of our clients come to us with challenges and they're just fed up with spending so much time on any social platform and not getting any return or putting in so much effort. Like, I'm, oh, I'm going to make this best post ever. And then I don't know about you, but I've posted things and my mom likes it and my sister likes it. And then that's it. And I'm like, oh, so how do you leverage just what we do is our 20 minute strategy a day, just mm -hmm. 20 minutes a day to be loud on this platform. And it is, it changes each day. So you can spend 20 minutes on your personal profile. You spend the 20 minutes doing this process on your business page, or you do it for the 20 minutes in one group. And so we really encourage that hyper-focus and just do it for 20 minutes. I do it every morning for 20 minutes and then I'm done. And if I ever go back on social, it's either strategically because I want to add more time to that 20 minutes or it's social. I'm totally just hanging out, posting memes, laughing at people's TikToks. So that's then it's OK if it's just the mom and the family liking the posts. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so good to see you, Shannon. I'm, I see you on Facebook. Yeah. So Shannon asks, what type of businesses do you work with? And she gives some context that she makes leather handbags and accessories, which is awesome. You work primarily with coaches, correct? Yep. Shannon, I actually have a really good connection for you of someone who can help you with that. So if you send me a message, just say, hey, I watched you on Joey's video, Joey's live stream. I'll make that connection with you. I personally work with coaches and anywhere from if you're just getting started, we have things that help you really develop your coaching skill, feel really confident coaching and land your first few clients. And then we work with people who are making anywhere from 50 to 100K and then want to hit the quarter million, half a million dollar mark. And so if you land anywhere between there, we're, we're excited to work with you and potentially partner with you. Oh, that's awesome. I love that yeah. you volunteered the intro. That's so cool, Sean. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Shannon, definitely take Sean up on that. And diving in a little bit more to that coaching, do you help coaches? I mentioned earlier the high ticket stuff. A lot of times that tends to suggest one-to-one -one work is are you helping people launch mostly one-to-one -one or also group stuff? 
I know that can be really tricky capacity for a coach. Yes. Yeah. So the strategy that we encourage people to do is if you're just getting started, start one-on-one and because it's easy to get into conversation and just sell them into a one-on-one program right then and there. If you're a coach, I recommend having a menu. And so what we typically do is we encourage people to have, when I first started, I had a 12 month, a seven month and a three month program one-on-one working with me. And what I realized is 12 months is a long time for one-on-one work. And some people are really excited about it for the first three months, and then they start to drop off. And so what we encourage now is have a three month, a six week, and a one day intensive and do those one-on-one. Once you have confidence, like you're, oh, wow, I'm really doing this really well. That's when you can begin to morph your one-on-one into group coaching or add, if you don't want to do one-on-one anymore, we have some clients who are like, I don't, I'm tired of one-on-one. I just want to go to group. Then you can morph it and transform it into just group. Or you can begin to add on, hey, I'm going to do this group program as well for anyone who can't afford my one-on-one. As far as high ticket, I so we have a program that ranges from ten dollars to $30,000, and it's a group coaching program with very small one-on-one elements to it. So you can sell high ticket, and it still be group. It doesn't have to be one-on-one. We sell our, I sell us a four-hour intensive for $5,000. We show our clients how to do that. Growing up, I would never imagine being paid $5,000 for four hours of coaching, <laughs> like not even doing work, doing something I love, doing something that's fun for me and easy. And so it's very possible if you are a coach, start offering that three-month, that six-month, that or the three-month, six-week and one-on-one intensive or one-day intensive That'll get you started, and then you can morph into your group stuff. I love that. I'm already picturing this machine that you're talking about, Sean, yeah. this sales machine. And I love that we covered a little bit of the marketing. We talked a little bit about just the offer positioning and stuff. If we look a little bit towards the end of that sales machine, I know as a lawyer in a lot of the lawyer groups that I'm in, what's very popular and common talking point among us is, Even if we have the best marketing out there, so much of our revenue comes from referrals and retention. Is that a similar thing that you're seeing with your coaching clients that the, if you're getting loud about either repeat work or what can they do to help refer and get you connected with their friends who need you, how how big of a, of a area of focus is that versus finding strangers online and convincing them to give you a call? Yeah, that's a great question. So the first thing I would say is if you're trying to convince people to get on a call with you, there's something wrong in your system, something wrong in your process. People should be really excited. The way that we make that distinction between marketing and sales is marketing gets people excited about working with you. Sales gets people committed to working with you, Mm -hmm. typically financially committed. They're giving you money and saying yes. And so if your marketing is feeling pushy, it's feeling aggressive, it's feeling uncomfortable, it likely is. I One of my values is fun and easy. So what we do is we find marketing ways to get people excited in a way that's really fun and really easy for you to implement. So marketing gets them excited. And then the sales side, you get them committed. Now, to go back to the initial question, what's at the roles or word of mouth? We What we've uncovered with a lot of our clients is it's split into a third. When they begin to implement the system, a third of their refer a third of their clients will come from referrals because they're just really freaking amazing at what they do and people have want to share they want to help that coach continue to succeed and continue to grow and so they're sharing it from the mountaintop so about a third of their clients come from referrals and we have a whole referral system and whole referral process that makes it easy to ask for the referral the second thing and I'll say this I did my one of my very first jobs was selling knives for Cutco uh I think Cutco is amazing, by the way. So if you think you need some knives, go buy some Cutco knives. I won't sell them to you though. But one of the things that the person taught when we did it was you have to be very aggressive about asking for referrals. And it, it made it feel icky for me. And I never went back to it. And so if you feel icky asking for a referral, we have a whole process that makes it really simple and easy for you. I love um, that you say that. And sorry to interrupt you, Sean, but yeah. I know there are some people who say, because asking for a referral is icky, here's how you can get referrals without asking, mm-hmm. which can be a nice way to to smooth this over. But something that my client and my team is working on is, oh, there is a non-sleazy way and a fun yeah. way to ask. Yes. And it really... 
it really is about how you're presenting it. So I'll, I'll give you one example. We have a, a variety of things, but one example of how to do this practically. When you're working with someone, let's we build into our system a offboarding call. And then we also build into our system a testimonial call. So those are two separate calls. Oh, interesting. Okay. Typically the testimonial call comes first. And then after that, it's the offboarding call. Testimonial call is them sharing, oh my gosh, this was amazing. And it's just get us getting their experience. We have 10 questions that we ask to get like really solid answers from people. Here's yeah. a couple, just in case you like want them, is what surprised you most about working with me? That's one of the best questions you can get or ask. What would you say to someone who doesn't know anything about me about what I do? And then what are some, obviously, what are some of the results that you got? What's some of the progress you made? And how is the person you were 12 months ago different from the person you are today? Those are some questions. So we do the testimonial and it crimes them like, oh yeah, this was a great investment for me. And then at the end, we say, hey, as a celebratory gift, what we're going to do is I'm going to give you a voucher. This voucher is good for a 90-minute uh, coaching call with me to one person that you think if they got this, it would change their life. Who do you think would benefit from this voucher? And now it's not me asking who is going to buy my program. It's who can we gift something to? We do a 90-minute. We've also done 20-minute things. We've done 45-minute things. So don't worry about the time. You figure out your what your voucher is. Mm. But we position it as a gift that they can give to someone. And then in our offboarding call, if they've made that connection, we thank them and say, hey, guess what? Because you, I, I just want to celebrate the fact that you really support us. I'm going to give you three more vouchers. Who else do you think is a really good connection? And now we have four referrals that are coming in. They're getting served. We have a very service first kind of orientation. So we're serving them in those calls. And then we can, we can have that conversation about what it's like to continue if it makes sense. But that's kind of a practical, easy way to that that we build into our. Oh, I love system. that, Sean. That's so good. That's so yeah. good. Okay, so a third comes from referrals. A third comes from organic social. I'm a big believer in paid ads. When you have something that works, if you don't have something that works yet, don't waste your money testing on ads unless you got a budget, right? You got Gary V budget, then go crazy. If you don't, then just do organic. It's so easy. So a third comes from organic and a third comes from um, affiliates. And so one thing we teach is building kind of a brand ambassador program where people are easy. It's easy for people to send you, make connections or send them to your launch or your challenge or. Okay. So that, that is also leaning on that arm of referrals to an extent, but it's more of a structured thing that you put together that you recommend. Yeah, I would say the brand ambassador stuff is typically leading to, so a referral is a, how we define it is like making a one-on-one connection of Sean, meet Joey. That's a referral. And an affiliate or somebody who's on our brand ambassador is, hey, Joey, you should hear a little bit more about Sean. He's doing this free training. I think you should join. And so it's not making that connection to me. It's making connection to an asset that we've created or a launch or. Yeah, I love that distinction. Great. And when you talk about organic, circling back to that's the one platform, right? That's the one platform, 20 minutes a day, creating content, showing up, people reaching out to you and you reaching out to other people. There's two ways to play on social. There's attraction marketing and there's initiative marketing. Attraction Mm -hmm. marketing is I make something that attracts people to me. So I create a piece of content or a video or a live stream and people say, hey, I want more of that. They send you a message. Initiative marketing is you see someone you really want to work with and you initiate the conversation. You say, hey, oh my gosh, I love what you're about. We should totally chat. Let's connect. So there's the initiative and the attraction within the 20 minute a day. I want to ask a next level question around this. Is there a point in your program, especially with the higher end coaches that you're working with, where you help them delegate some of these responsibilities so that there are other people on the team who can do this stuff for them? Yes. So one of the things we actually do in our mastermind is we do team days. And so they are able to invite their team member and then we'll show them how to do the 20 minute, the 10, 5, 1, 20 minute process. There's also specific pieces of strategic content that help people make purchasing decisions. So there's there's two types of content. There is attention grabbing content, and then there's purchasing content or sales mm-hmm. content. 
Yeah. Attraction content just gets people or attention grabbing content gets their attention. Hey, I'm here. Purchasing content helps them make a purchasing decision, a confident purchasing decision. And so here's the difference. A, an attention grabbing piece of content is here's my personal story or this just happened or let me tell you about a client and their story and something that's crazy that happened. A purchasing decision is or a purchasing piece of content is when should you hire a coach? Here are the three reasons or the three points in your journey when you should hire a coach. If somebody's actively looking for a coach, they're looking at that piece of content and saying, oh, it's time for me to buy. Another one is what's the difference between a coach, a consultant, a therapist, a mentor, a spiritual guide or a spiritual leader, et cetera, et cetera. Somebody who's considering hiring a coach is going to read that and say, oh, you know, what? I actually do need a coach or I don't need a coach. I need a consultant or I need a therapist or you. So it's helping them get closer and closer to that confident purchasing decision. So that's the organic content on the attraction side that we're encouraging people to create. The fact that Sean is just getting all these golden nuggets away for free is like <laughs> a crime. Sean, talk to me because you, you said something that I wanted to circle back to. You mentioned that your organic marketing isn't really attracting anybody. There's a bigger problem here. And I know one thing that is a pretty common thing that I'm learning from people who work with coaches is as coaches, we know the way that we can help people. And we know the thing that comes to me, to mind for me is like, we know the broccoli that mm -hmm. our clients need to be eating, but yeah. they don't care about the broccoli. They want to eat the chocolate. Yes. And there are so and many- And if we're honest, we want to eat the chocolate too. Right. <laughs> How much of that organic marketing not working is just a lack of positioning and fine tuning what people need backtracked to, okay, what do they want? How can I grab their attention there? Yeah. So we do this visibility intensive. It's a one day intensive I do with clients where we audit what's working and what's not. And some of the variables that we consider exploring when somebody's saying, hey, I'm posting all this stuff, but nobody's doing anything or they're liking it, but they're not, it, the likes aren't turning into real leads. Um, there's a couple of variables. The first is the audience. You could create the best piece of content for the best audience, but if that audience isn't following you, it's not going to matter. <laughs> for example, if I'm a new parent, my wife just gave, just delivered our baby. She's a baby girl. She's the most gorgeous baby girl on the planet. I'm so in love with this little one. Anyway, so if I had all moms, and I was creating a piece of content, right? Middle-aged moms. And I was creating, a, they were in my audience and I was creating a piece of content for teenage guys. Mm -hmm. Wrong audience. Teenage guys might be like, yeah, that's awesome. But the moms are like, meh, right? So the audience isn't there is one variable. And what we would do then is we'd build a plan to say, okay, how do we build the right audience organically using our, one thing would be using our 1051 and we have other things that we do. Another variable is you're creating great content, but there's no call to action. I can't tell you how many times I see a good piece of content and there's nothing for me to do after. And it's, oh, this would lead to so many clients if you just added one little detail right here. Yep. And so making sure there's some type of call to action at the end of your content, even if that call to action is, hey, what do you think about this? Mm. Right? Creating a conversation. We teach seven laws of abundance that we've discovered, and we can talk about abundance in a second, but We've, we teach seven laws of abundance. And one thing, the very first law of abundance is you have what you're willing to ask for. So if you want more engagement, ask more questions. If you want more revenue, ask, make more offers, ask more people to say yes to you. Um, and so may, add more questions. If you, okay, for those of you who are like, nobody is seeing my stuff, nobody's engaging. I guarantee you start asking questions, people will start responding back. And what'll happen is the algorithm will say, oh, there's a conversation happening here. We should show it to more people. And so make sure you're asking questions. So some things I do in like the comments is, or in a post is I'll always ask a question for people to respond to the post on. And then if they comment, I'll ask another question to keep the comments going to increase the reach. So typically you're creating content, but the call to action isn't strong enough. The other thing is you're creating content, you're starting the conversations, but you're not initiating that conversation or moving that conversation forward. So mm -hmm. every single person who likes your post, who comments on your post, that's a real person on the other side of the phone or the screen. 
go talk to that real person. Go send them a message and say, hey, thanks so much for commenting on my stuff. How's everything going? How did we get connected in the first place, by the way? What are you up to? Start a conversation. Don't lead with, buy my stuff, because that's lazy. Don't be weird and sleazy. By the way, if people send you that, one of the very first messages I send is, oh my gosh, here's how you can buy my stuff. And I'll just promote right back. So um, if people are promoting in the first message, promote right back. And I've had people buy actually from that process. But lead with conversation, lead with, I genuinely want to build a relationship with this person. Let me get to know them. So that's another thing is, I can't tell you how many times I see someone, they have hundreds of comments. How many people have you messaged from there? How many people have you started a real conversation? Oh, none of them? Okay, no wonder you're not landing clients. There's a couple of variables when it comes to the audience. I know there's a long answer, but those are some things to explore if you're not seeing the, oh, this the is, audience. This is great. Clients. And there, there's a fair number of other law firm owners in my audience. And I just want to highlight specifically to that group. This is golden nuggets that we law firm owners tend to not hear about when it comes to marketing. And don't like dial down the volume on this because we're just talking about coaches. I've implemented a, a taste of what Sean is talking about. And it really, it makes us as lawyers stand out even more because people don't expect us to have this good of marketing the way that a great coach could. And I think I love what you said because so often there's a, I don't want to say entitlement, but there's a sense of, I have this business. I know how to help people. Maybe I want to just pay someone to bring leads to me, but that's not really why I'm in this. And I love the way that you're bringing meaning and community to not only is this a valuable use of your time to engage with people who are reacting, interacting with you on social media, but it, it opens up this whole new room of you being able to help and serve yeah. with people beyond just your service. Yes. And if I can speak to that mindset, this probably also applies to lawyers. But when we, when I'm speaking to a coach, typically I'll ask them, why did you start your coaching business? And it's because, oh, I want to coach people. And it's never, I want to market my coaching or I want to sell my coaching as I want right. to coach. And so one thing we help people do is they're already wearing the coaching hat or the lawyer hat. Now it's time to also add in a little bit of that marketing and sales hat. Even if you delegate it, you are responsible. It's your business. You're responsible for making sure it happens. And that's why what that's why our 20 minute strat, 20 minute day strategy works so well. Because it, most people are like, I just don't have the time to market. And they, it feels so heavy to market. But again, yeah. it's so easy and it's so fun when you know what you're doing and you can do it in 20 minutes a day. I feel really accomplished in my first 20 minutes of business because I did that thing. I reached out and I got leads. I made a sale. Great. Now I can go do the thing I love doing. Mm, that's so great. Now let's, we talked about marketing. We talked about the offer. We talked about referrals and the ambassador program. Let's spend some time talking about the actual sales, that commitment stage. What are the top tips that you have for people? We talked about how that can be a really difficult conversation. How can we do a better job of keeping that conversion rate up once we get the, the Zoom calls booked or the phone ringing? Yes. Okay, the, there are three questions to that I have all of our clients ask every single day. The first question is, how many conversations did you have today? Mm-hmm. Every opportunity you'll ever have in any area of life is on the other side of a conversation. Mm -hmm. So the more conversations you have, the more money you'll make, the more opportunities you'll create, et cetera. So how many conversations did you have? It's one. If you're in a call, you're having that conversation, which is great. Number two, how many conversations do you have scheduled for tomorrow? Because if you're not having conversations tomorrow, what you should be working on today is getting calls scheduled for tomorrow. The third question is how much money did you ask for? How much money did you ask for? If you're not making the offer, people can't say yes. Now, when it comes to actually making the offer, and notice I didn't say how many clients did you land? How much money did you make? It's how much money did you ask for? Because you can o- you can always control what you ask for. You can't so- control the yes. They can they have control. They can say yes or no. It's totally up to them. But you can control the ask. So make sure you're asking. That's I'll, I'll just throw that out. And then, I did I interrupt you? No, keep going. Oh, okay. And then there's a couple of mistakes I see people make all the time in a sales conversation. We review our client sales calls. So I've watched thousands of people having sales calls. And what we've uncovered is a couple of major mistakes that if you just tweak these mistakes, 
it just solves a lot of your problems. Do you want to hear them? Please. Okay. <laughs> so the first is the transition. Most of the time, people in, in some type of conversation, they'll have two parts of the call. The first part is, tell me a little bit about your problem. Tell me a little bit about your challenge. What do you want to accomplish? Let's see if we're even, if I can even help with that. And then the sales side, which is you're talking about your offer, you're talking about your price, et cetera. Typically, the transition between that is really icky. It's how can I help you? Great. Here's the cost. Here's the program. Here's the price. And you're just throwing up all this information to the person. What we recommend is a ask first policy. And what we recommend is making the transition to ask before you get into the sale. Would you like to hear what it would look like if you and I work together on this? That's great. That's the transition. That's it. Would you like to hear what it would look like? That's getting their consent to sell to them. So it's consensual and it's allowing them to say their first yes to you. Yes. Great. And now what you're doing is you're teaching them it's safe to say yes. It's safe to say yes. So would you like to hear what it would look like if you and I work together on this? Asking that one question will automatically begin to prime them to buy from you. You'll start seeing an increase in yourself. So that's number one, having that transition. Don't say, should I tell you about my program now? Can you tell you, can I tell you what I'm selling? Just mm. would you like to hear what I, what it would look like if you and I work together on this? Yeah, that's great. The next thing is rushing into your offer. The biggest mistake. They say, yes, great. The name of it is this, and it costs this, and it's six weeks, and I'll do this, and we're one-on-ones. They don't care about that at this point. Blow the conversation down. And what we do is we first start with possibilities. There's a difference between a possibility mindset and an affordability mindset. If you lead with your price and your program process and your name, they're an affordability. So would you like to hear what it would look like if you and I work together on this? Yes, great. What's possible if you and I work on this and we get the, we hit the goals that you set out today. And now what's happening is they're telling you why they want to hire you. You're getting more information about what they really want to buy. They don't care about your program. I know that's icky to hear, but they don't care, right? They don't care about the process. They just want the promise of what's going to happen afterwards. You don't buy a plane ticket to hang out at the airport unless maybe you do and you're just a weirdo. I love being at the airport, but I also like getting to my destination, to the beach or to the island, et cetera. People buy the plane ticket to be at the beach. So mm -hmm. focus on the beach. Have them describe what is that beach for them. So slow down the conversation. The other thing I would say is one of the biggest mistakes I think a lot of people make is not really being present. And so when I'm in a sales conversation, I'm really looking out for identity statements. Some things I've heard from people say is, oh, I'm not a marketer, or I'm not really a salesperson, or I'm not really a business, a business owner, I'm just a coach. I want to identify those so I can create possibility around that. Most people will say, oh yeah, you're totally a good coach, or you're totally a good salesperson, or you're totally good. But instead, I typically ask, what would it look like if we shifted everything and you actually became a super salesperson or a super marketer? What would that look like for you? And now they're telling you what that would look like for them. You want them to be talking more in the sales conversation. So by asking these questions, you're getting them to reveal what they actually want. The other thing is, so there's a couple more things I'll share. And if I'm talking too much, just stop me. Uh, no, I'm not going to slow okay. this thing down. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. The first is asking what we call the sweaty question. And so this is where I say, essentially, this will require a little bit of sweat equity. All right. We're going to make it fun and easy for you. And you still have to do the work. If you don't do the work, if you don't show up, you're not going to get the results. This means you show up on time for our calls. You don't cancel last minute and you prioritize doing the work. Do you have time and energy right now to commit to this? If they say yes to that, I've already made the sale because time is way more important than money. Catch that. Time is way more important to money. So if they're willing to invest their time, we've already made the sale. And now we just have to figure out at what price point makes sense for them. Remember I said having your menu. Does the three-month option work better? The one day, the six week, et cetera. We just have to find what works for them. So make sure you're asking the sweaty question. And then other thing is have a visual. Have some type of visual support. Some people have PowerPoints. Some people have flyers or sales pages. All those are really great. What I really like to do is have people write things down. So I'll have them write down, 
here are the five things we're going to work on. Write it down. Great. Out of those five things, what are you most excited about working on? Circle that one. Circle it. Okay, great. That's what we're going to start off with. And I'm treating them as if they've already said yes. I'm treating them like a high ticket client already. Because here's the truth. A high ticket client will never become a client unless they experience what it's like to be a client of yours first. So you got to give them that experience. That's so so great. Great. Which one are you most excited about? Great. Now notice, I haven't talked about the name of my program, the price of my program, how long the program is yet. And yet all of this has helped prime me and them and figure out if we're a good fit first. Um, I'll give two more tips. Before even going into the program offer, et cetera, I'll ask them, I work with these types of clients and I share what I call my clients must or my non-negotiables. My clients must have a world-class work ethic. My clients must want to change the world in some way. It's not just about the money and they're excited about the money. My clients must not be jerks or meanies. They're really kind and friendly and fun and warm. My clients show up on time. Does this sound like you? Great. Do you think we'd be a good fit and why? Great. And I want to establish that first. I want to let them know what my boundaries to playing are first. And if we're a good fit, great. Now we can talk about the program, the offer, the price, et cetera. And at that point, I'm asking, okay, great. Would you like to hear what it, what the structure is, what the process is, a little bit more of the logistics? Great. Grab your pen and paper again. Here's the name. Here's the format. Here's the price point. And the reason why I'm having them write it down is sometimes they have to go talk to a business partner, to legal, to a spouse, to somebody else about making this purchase decision. And now they have this paper with all their notes that they can show that person, that mm-hmm. can inform them. And... They're not looking at me when they're saying yes or no. They're looking at the offer. They're looking at the program. They're saying, do I want to say yes to that? Not to me. So we have them write it all down. And then we make the ask. Are you ready to say yes? And at which price point? Does it sound, does this sound good? If they say no, okay, let's play a little bit. How about this? Okay, great. And we figure out what works best for them. So I hope that was really helpful for everybody. But those are some of the biggest mistakes we see. And I'm going to have to start charging for this podcast episode. So (laughs) I I want to, one thing that my team and I are super passionate about is team building. And so if we take this machine that you've laid out for us already, and we think about how phase one or version one of this machine could be you putting those 20 minutes a day into marketing, showing up for all the sales calls, doing the service work, leading the efforts to get the referrals and the ambassador program in place. As you start building a team around you, which parts of this machine do you typically recommend that you start designing yourself out of first or empowering others into? Yeah, that's great. My recommendation is always what you're least good at, your weak, weakest point. Fair if you don't like doing something and you have the resources and capacity to delegate it out to someone who's really excited about it, it's going to accelerate the work that you're doing. If it's the marketing side, hire someone for the marketing to do the 20 minute thing. If it is the sales side, hire someone to take your phone calls and sell for you. If it's on the launch side or on the affiliates or the referral side, hire someone to be a brand manager or a brand ambassador manager or a partner partner concierge or whatever, whatever you're least good at hire for that. So good. So good. And Sean, one thing that I'm seeing as you're spelling this all out is the way that you build this machine, it will let you know what the problems are to the extent that you do a launch or you have a quarter or a year where you don't have the results that you want. If you have a machine like this in place, it will tell you the marketing is where people are, are heading off or the sales calls aren't where the conversions are at where we're wanting them. And it's really, it's minimizing those details that we tend to get caught up with, like the price yes, yes. or um, the fun graphics or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. What's really exciting about this is, so what we teach our clients to do is every three months or every quarter doing an audit. I'm very data driven. So we take a look at every point of data, whether it's traffic, conversions, email opt-in rates, email close rates, click-through rates, your close rates, how often this objection came up, how, you know, et cetera. So we're taking a look at all that data every three months and 
or we're encouraging them to look at that and identify one area they want to improve in the next three months. Mm-hmm. I'm a very incremental business owner, a business grower. There are some people who like, they scale real fast. I have discovered that the faster you scale, oftentimes the quality begins to, there's a diminished quality return. And so we incrementally grow. I've grown our business to a million dollars, 1% at a time, one thing at a time. Just let me improve this one thing this week or this month or this quarter. I have a very aligned outlook on this, Sean. And I will say it's, it feels much better to grow this way. And the more that I'm in certain types of business masterminds, I would never change places with these companies who are scaling quickly and rarely able to sleep because these big issues are keeping them up at night and they're seeing quality concerns across the board all the time. Yeah. What we've seen is that there's two, two levels to play at. Most people think they need a lot of intensity all the time when really they need consistency. Consistency beats out intensity in the long term. Now, there are seasons where you need intensity, where you're like, all right, guys, we have this big goal over the next month. We're going to go really hard on it. But living in that space is exhausting, and it oftentimes leads to burnout. So we have seasons of intensity that lead to long periods of consistency. Let's do the same thing again. Often, what I've discovered is like the most successful businesses do the same thing, the obvious thing, over and over and over and over and over and over, long enough. And don't psych themselves out to say this isn't working. They just, they just keep going. I'm going to do this again today, even though it may have not worked yesterday. I'm going to improve it 1% today from what I did yesterday. If you do that, you're ahead of the game by like margins. That's so true. It's easier said than done, but it is a really powerful and rare thing in this space to stay committed and not get tempted to chase the shiny object and offer in a different direction. I've been there. I've been tempted. It can be really hard to say no to those things. And maybe we can end on this point, Sean. One thing that I know you do that is pretty common in the coaching space is it's not necessarily like you're wanting the exact same revenue every single month or that the exact same offers are available month to month. And every month is this, let's go out there and make sure that we're in the green you have more of an annual look of what are the offers that are going to be available throughout the year? How can we be planning for these intense spikes that allow us to have breaks? Is that something that is as common as I think it is in the coaching space? Is it something that is that you're really prescribing to coaches who might be brand new to business? Or are you seeing a combination of launch with Evergreen and other types of models? Yeah, it really depends on where somebody is at in their journey. Oftentimes, if they're just getting started, they want a lot of intensity. They crave it. They they want the transformational, I want to hit the 10K as fast as possible. And the people who are a little bit more established, maybe a little bit more profitable, they're 50, 100, quarter million dollars in their coaching business, they don't want transformation. What they're doing is working. They want improvement. And that requires more, it it requires like one tweak that they're like, oh, that's where the money's been, or that's where the, the funnel has been stopped. The funnel clog is. So it's really, okay, let's be consistent, but let's just change this one thing and be consistent in this way. So it just depends on where you're at in the journey, what people are craving and what they need. With people who are new, we typically focus on some of those quick wins because landing your first client honestly is so easy. It really is. It's just go have more conversations, go coach more people. Yeah. That's the plan, right? My, my business plan before I, in my first year was go have as many coaching calls as possible and make as many offers with people I really love work. I would really love to work with. In that first year, I did 382 coaching calls and oh. I did six figures. So most people are just a couple conversations away from landing their first client. So we can help them with those quick wins, help them to start believing, oh, it's very possible for me. And then once they're more established, it's okay, let's take a look at what's working, what's not working, and let's make those 1% tweaks. Yeah. Sean, I want to ask one more question before we close mm-hmm. out, because yeah. I'm sure that there's going to be somebody tuning into this where this question might relate to them. I know there are a lot of coaches out there 
both because I've done consulting work, but also as a trademark law firm, we see this quite a bit with, with coaches who are working with business owners who are realizing that part of the reason why they're struggling to hit their revenue goals is because they're creating high ticket offers to businesses that aren't ready for those problems yet. Mm. And they're going after a newer business themselves. Um, to what extent, I know this is a nitty gritty question, but I, I yeah. really appreciate your insight on this. To what extent should coaches in more of the B2B space be thinking about the revenue that their ideal clients are making when thinking about their offer, what the high ticket could look like, and maybe if they want to if it's worth shifting who their ideal client is so that they can more readily afford the high ticket value. Yeah. So when you, I'm going to do my best to answer this. There's a lot of variability in it. So if you are working with people in corporate, there is a longer sales cycle, which means Mm -hmm. it takes a lot longer to get a yes because you have to, you're not just getting one yes, you're typically getting seven yeses. HR, legal, C-suite, this board and that board. And so you're getting all these yeses before you can actually do the work and get paid for it. And yet there's more, there's so much more money in corporate America. There it's because they're not spending their own money. They're spending the company's money. It's easy for them to say, yeah, $50,000, great, here you go. If you're selling something for an that's an enterprise solution or a coaching solution for an enterprise or a corporation, revenue is going to be really key because of a $1 million, you're a small business until you hit 5 million annually. So if you're working with someone who's at within that $1 million to $5 million range, they're going to have very different problems than the company that's doing one to $5 billion. So you want to get super clear about that annual revenue. If you're working with startups or companies that are just getting started, As a coach, you can specialize in where somebody is at in their journey. But I also want to give people permission that as a coach, you don't have to be an expert. And that's super key to recognize. Consultants have to be experts. I hire consultants because they're an expert at what they do and they bring their experience solving this problem that I haven't been able to figure out to the problem. A coach is someone who's going to help create space, create presence, open possibilities, shift perspectives and mindsets. And you can do that without being an expert on the actual problem. You're actually placing the expertise on the client. You're the expert and I'm here to support you as we figure this out together. Rather than I'm the expert, here's my answer, here's my advice. So you can specialize and you can have a desire to work with a special type of person, but coaching somebody on one end to the other end you're just bringing the skill set of coaching to that. Yeah. That's super clear to me. The people who are in startup phases or just getting started or their small business, their mindset problems and their practical challenges are going to be very different. And so mm-hmm. you, you just want to get clear about who you want to coach, who yeah. you want to show up for, who you're passionate about, and then get it, the more specific you can define that person, the more likely they are to say, oh, that's me. I love the way that you explain that, Sean, because I want everyone to know if you think of yourself as a business owner who might just be a couple of chapters past business owners that you maybe want to serve or coach, you have permission to not think of yourself as, oh, I, I have to be beyond them to serve them, especially if you're calling yourself a coach. Work with whoever you want to work with, but it's totally possible for you to be a coach for companies who are further along that your than your company might be and still be a insanely valuable coach for them to work with. Yes. And I think it's, it, I want to make this distinction again. If you're a coach, you're not a consultant. Consultants yeah. give answers. Co- coaches ask questions and open up possibilities where a consultant is oftentimes expected to be the expert. The coach isn't. You're bringing, you're an expert in coaching, not in the problem. Yeah. Cash. Let's circle back then to Sean Q, how you're defining yourself. Cause you have only coaching programs or you also have consulting available. Both. Okay. Correct. Yep. So we have coaching programs where we are bringing together people, whether it's one-on-one in a group, in a mastermind, et cetera, where we're 
coaching people through their silent assumptions, their subconscious beliefs that are blocking them from achieving what they want to do. So typically we're exploring that through asking bold, courageous, powerful questions. Then we have consulting programs that train people on how to do something we're an expert on, launching or building social programs or social media programs or getting loud on a platform, et cetera. So in some, we have a hybrid where there's coaching and there's training and consulting. So it's a both and. Getting clear though allows them to feel confident in knowing what they're buying and creates boundaries. So sometimes I'm just going to coach you. I'm not going to consult. I'm going to coach. We're going to create powerful space and I'm going to ask you questions and you're going to get insight. And then there's times where it's consulting. I'm going to give you my training. You're going to go implement. And if you need coaching, that's an awesome upgrade that we can offer. Getting very clear about what they're buying sets those clear expectations. Oh, so good. So good. Sean, thank you for all of this. To everyone who is thinking, I don't care whether Sean calls himself a coach or a consultant. I just want to keep learning from him, following him picking up all of the golden nuggets that he's dropping. I know you've got some things that are available that people can learn more from you. What are one or more freebies that you have right now that would be a really great opportunity for people to take what we've been talking about to the next level? Great question. So we have a summit coming up. You can join the wait list by going to AbundanceNowSummit.com. So AbundanceNowSummit.com, we're bringing in experts, artists, philosophers, historians, psychologists, neurobiologists, just a variety of people who are well-credentialed to speak on this topic of abundance, on how to live a more abundant life. So AbundanceNowSummit.com, you can join the wait list for that. If you're like, Sean, I need something right now, we do offer something called the Abundance Now challenge. So you can go to www.abundancenowchallenge.com. It's 21 lessons. It's a dollar a lesson. So it's 21 bucks. And you can get all of these audio lessons that we've recorded on abundance. Give yourself 10 minutes a day to go through this training. I guarantee after 21, these 21 lessons, you'll begin to see the world differently. You'll begin to experience more abundance. You'll be more confident making more asks, making more offers. And if you're a coach or you're just like, I just want more abundance in my life, you'll start to see those results. Sean, you are one of the most abundant people that I know. So thank you for this entire conversation. Thank you for everything that you're doing and are continu- will continue to do to make that abundance and impact that is just such an obvious part of your heart and your mission. You guys, Sean is just worth following. Thanks, Joe. And everybody listening, let me just encourage you, no matter where you're at in your journey, keep going. I remember a time in my life where I wanted to give up on life. And I'm so happy I didn't have breath in my lungs and a heart that's beating. And you do too. So go take action. Go do something you're uncomfortable with. Go take a bold step forward. Do something that maybe is a little scary, but you know you're supposed to do it. Do that thing you know you've been procrastinating on. And then send me a message and just let me know that you took that action. Thank you so much, Joey. I appreciate being on with you today. So good. Thank you, Sean. To everyone else, I will see you all next week on the Business Growth Advantage. See you then. All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Business Growth Advantage with me, Joey C. Vitale. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see y'all next week. Learn